Listener Production. Have you ever felt distracted by your phone? It may shock you to learn that the average Australian adult will accumulate around 17 years of their lifetime on their phone. About 33% of our waking hours will be dedicated to our beloved phones. Today on Feed Play Love, how to manage your digital distraction. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. Parents, and mothers in particular, are well aware of the public shame game when it comes to parenting and digital devices. If you're not being shamed for letting your kid use an iPad, you're being shamed for being on your phone in the park. But as a parent today, I find most times I'm on the phone, it's to keep all the balls in the air. Whether it's organising things for work, kids, or staying in touch with friends, it's a lot. And it means there's a lot of screen time for parents. But that's not always a good thing. Dr. Christy Goodwin is a digital wellbeing expert, a mum of three, and the author of Dear Digital, We Need to Talk. It's a book that aims to help us manage our digital habits well. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Great to be here. Look, I want to start by making it very clear that this book is not about adding to parental guilt. Totally. I call it techno guilt or techno shame. And I don't think it serves any of us. Making us feel wrong or guilty for using our digital devices isn't going to serve any of us. The reality is whether we love it or loathe it, technology plays a really important part in our lives professionally and personally. And so we have to, I think, find really healthy and helpful ways that we can live with it. But that's not always easy to do. Yeah. And look, I mentioned that my dependency is mostly about staying on top of all the things. How on earth do you manage that when it feels like as a parent and as a mother, and I know you can relate to this, Christy, that it feels like if you put your phone down, then (laughs) all the balls are going to come crashing down. You're going to forget to make sure your kid gets picked up from swimming. You're going to miss out on supporting your girlfriend who's going through a hard time. You're going to forget to call your mother. I mean, these seem like really challenging things not to engage with, but we're doing it all on our phone, aren't we? We are, and we're just constantly being digitally bombarded. Research tells us that the average adult is consuming around 74 gigabytes worth of information a day. It's just mind-blowing, professionally and personally. And so... We feel like we are just constantly tethered to technology, and we are. And so what we have to do is to come up with some, I call them our digital guardrails. What are some parameters around how we'll use technology? And I think we have to communicate these to other people, especially our partner, especially to our friends. I sometimes use the word, these are our tech expectations. Like, if you want to reach me, call me. Like, don't send me a WhatsApp message. Don't ping me on, you know, don't send me an email I think we have to set some boundaries around turning notifications off. You know, notifications trick our brain into thinking that everything is urgent and important. And our brain can't differentiate between a TikTok notification and a tiger chasing us. So another really helpful thing I found as a parent is that I am being bombarded with WhatsApp notifications. I've got, as you said, <laughs> three kids. Yes. It's that 
oh, it's a shoot me now scenario. Like, please do not reply to everybody in the group chat. Like that, that reply all function should be used very discreetly. <laughs> um, so we've just been peppered with distractions and I think it's really, really Im- important that we manage that. So you can actually bundle your notifications. So if you don't want to be peppered with 88 WhatsApp notifications trickling in throughout your day, you can choose to have those notifications come to you at set times of the day. Now, I know as a mum, you you may not want to miss out on, you know, the, the message that says that sport practice has been moved to a different day or that it's Mufti Day tomorrow or that it's, you know, the gold coin donation in the class group that you've got to bring in today. So what I have done, given that I've got three kids who are in a multitude of different sports and class groups and all WhatsApp groups that come with that, is that I've chosen to get all my WhatsApp notifications first thing in the morning and then last thing at night. And I have got a fellow mum or a friend in each of those different groups who will send me an SMS if there's something time critical. So if sport practice has been cancelled, they will send me an SMS. But apart from that, I wait to get all my messages either first thing in the morning or late at night. And it's been a game changer because then we feel like we can switch off and not constantly be peppered with distraction. You know, the other part I like about what you said there is asking people to call you, not just text you. Because sometimes I think we forget we can just pick up the phone and speak to someone. Uh, isn't it a relief? I mean, depending on who's ringing you, sometimes you're like, oh, <laughs> let that one go to voicemail. Like, let's admit we all do that. <laughs> but, you know, nothing beats a real conversation. And I find a, a conversation is way quicker than the, the typing out the text because as a parent you start to write the text message and then somebody needs their bottom wiping wiped and you put it down or someone needs snack 375 and you put your phone down <laughs> and then you pick it up the other thing i found really helpful especially when it comes to connecting with our friends and important people in our life is that i think text messages and direct messages and connecting on social media we've lost all of the little nuances you get when you speak to someone so whilst you may not be able to pick up the phone and always ring because maybe, you know, you're feeding a baby at three in the morning and you think, oh, look, my friend probably wouldn't appreciate a text message right now because her kids are sleeping <laughs> through the night. What I have found, I, one of the best ways for me to connect with my friends and important people in my life is I've been using the voice memo. So the other day there was a friend who I hadn't caught up with for a while. I knew I just wouldn't get around to typing a text message. So on the walk to school pickup with the dog, I used my phone and recorded a voice memo and I sent it to her and then she sent me a voice memo back. And so whilst it wasn't in real time, that conversation was so much richer than just using emojis and text messages. Um, So that's another really simple tool that we can apply as well. There's some great tips there. And you started to explain earlier about how our brain responds to the whole notifications pinging all the time and all the distraction we're getting. What does the research tell you about uh, the amount of time we're spending on our screens and how that impacts our health? Oh, it's having a huge impact and often in a way that we're not recognising. So we are spending as adults an average of 17 years of our life on our phones. That equates to about (laughs) 33% of our waking hours. It's a huge amount of time and you only need to get if you're an ios user get your screen time report for the week um if you're an android user it's your digital well-being report and you'll actually quantify just how many hours get sucked into our screens 
And while some of that is certainly done for work purposes, a lot of it is done, you know, from, you know, ordering groceries, paying bills, organising play dates. If we really examined a lot of that data, a lot of it is our recreational screen use. It's social media, it's scrolling news sites, it's, you know, consuming information too. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of that. Of course, that, that's all fine. But what I think is happening is that our tech habits, given that we're spending so much time, have done two things. The first thing our tech habits have done is they've introduced a whole lot of little micro stresses into our days. These are little things like alerts, multitasking, video calls, looking at our screens with a very, very narrow gaze. All of these little things create little stressors in our day and these stressors accumulate. The second thing that our tech habits have done is that our tech habits have completely annihilated these we used to have these biological buffers that used to naturally be baked into our days that helped us to manage our stress and distraction. We used to sleep a lot better than what we do and much more than what we do today because of our tech habits. We used to be much more physically active. We used to connect with people. Even the way we breathe, believe it or not, Shabbat, is being shaped by our screens. And so those mm-hmm. two things together, you know, we've, we've added these little stressors to our days and we've annihilated the buffers mean that we're in this heightened stress state all of the time. We are like in this elevated stress state. So in the book, I use the term that we're ousted. Many of us, I think, are using technology in ways that are completely out of alignment with how we're designed as humans. And so we're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling under the pump. We're feeling stressed, time poor, exhausted and distracted. And that's because of those two things. The micro stresses are now our buffers are being shaped by technology. So it's having, without a doubt, a profound impact on every part of our lives, both physically and psychologically. I think for many years as parents, we've been quick to point the finger. We've been quick to say our kids and teens are addicted and they can't put it down. But I question whether we really got a handle on this. Mm, certainly not. And you also point out in your book that the COVID-19 pandemic actually exacerbated these habits. Yeah, and look, it would be naive to say that these tech habits, these unhealthy digital dependencies weren't creeping in before the pandemic. But, and again, I acknowledge out of necessity, I know we in our family socially dropped, I was going to say recalibrate, but let's face it, we dropped our screen time rules during lockdowns. We sort of ditched them all together and what we're seeing at the moment, I think, in many families and many adults is that I colloquially use the term, we're experiencing a bit of a digital hangover. We, you know, we became more digitally dependent during the pandemic for work purposes. It was our conduit for connection. For our kids, it was their, you know, their conduit for learning. But we've developed some unhealthy behaviours and digital habits that really aren't serving us and they're stuck with us. So... Mm. Yeah, we just we need to address that um, because otherwise, if we're not using technology in the right ways, it will have a profound impact on our health and well-being. So moving out of that COVID period where, as you say, most of us dropped out, uh, most of us changed the rules around screens during that time. We had to if we wanted to keep everybody sane. Um, yeah. So uh, some of us have pulled back or clawed back those rules But I love how you sort of turn the focus on parents because our kids learn so much from us. I'm wondering, what does digital distraction look like in a family? Like, what would you say it looks like for a family if the parents are 
constantly on their phones. Yeah, and again, this is not shaming anyone. I, I think, you know, and we never, ever know. That's why I'm so careful about is not making judgments on other parents. You know, the parent that the park who's on their phone may not be scrolling social media and they may be dealing with a family crisis with a family member overseas. They may be, you know, giving a, getting a job interview tomorrow and trying to hurriedly organise a babysitter so that they can go to this job interview. So we never, ever really know anyone's full story. But what I do want to point out is that Many of us are using our devices in ways that I think take us out of the present moment. In the book, I share a story of a little girl who came home from school one day and said to her mum, how much do you earn per hour? And she said, look, I earn a salary. I need to do some calculations. And as she tucked her daughter into bed that night, she said, sweetheart, I figured out my hourly rate. This is what it is. Why do you ask? And this little girl turned to her mum and said, because I'd like to buy an hour of your time without your phone. Yeah. Our kids are seeing this. You know, we're missing those micro moments of connection with our kids. You know, at swimming lessons when they finally nail the tumble turn and they come up and their cap's off and their goggles are filled with water and they look up at you to give you the thumbs up, but your head's buried in the phone. You know, we know that when we are being distracted, when we're trying to do the grocery list or reply to an email and our kids interrupt us, we become very agitated. Because when we try to multitask, our brain releases cortisol, the stress hormone. So we snap at our kids or, you know, we make a typo in the email. So we are certainly behaving very, very differently. The other reason that I think it's really important that we examine, again, through no judgment, but just pause to think about are we being good digital role models, is because human brains have something in it called mirror neurons. And mirror neurons mean we are biologically designed as humans, to copy and imitate. And if we are saying to our kids, turn off your devices, put it away, and yet we're saying that from behind our phone or behind our laptop, are we really role modelling best behaviour? Um, yeah, ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And I, and, not, and, and I want to be really clear, this is not about not using your phone around your kids. That's really, I think, antiquated, outdated advice. And totally unrealistic because the reality is our kids certainly see need to see us using technology. We need to explain, you know, we're often using it in a functional way because they often just see us on our phone. And to them, they think we're watching YouTube or scrolling social media when we might be doing the online baking or ordering the groceries or organising the play date. But I think we, we need to, to really pause for a moment and examine our digital be- behaviours and ask ourselves the, the confronting question. In the book, I, I shared a, a serendipitous conversation I had at a coffee shop with a lady who was a palliative care nurse and she'd been a, a palliative care nurse for 30 years. And I said to her, are you still seeing the same regrets in, in people who are dying? And she said, yes. Um, I don't know if you've read the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying um, by Bronnie Ware. It's a really good book. But in that book, Bronnie, who was also a palliative care nurse, identified five common themes in people who were dying. And this palliative care nurse I had the conversation with said, there's a sixth regret creeping in, Christy. And she said, people are saying they wished at the end of their life they spent less time on their devices. These are people who are, you know, in their 40s and 50s who are tragically facing mm. the end of their life. All the technology we use, both professionally and personally, has been deliberately engineered to be appealing and to suck us into the digital vortex. So I want to also remind us it's not always our fault. It really is not, you know, the infinite scroll 
the fact that, you know, simple things like our notification bubble being red. Red is a psychological association with danger and importance and urgency. So all of these things are colliding to make it really hard for us to switch it off and not be distracted by it in the first place. And you know what you said there that really resonates with me is that idea that we're actually not designed to multitask. So that um, scenario where you're trying to do something and your kid interrupts and you just flare up, that must happen a million times a day for me because I feel like I'm always trying to be managing several things at once, but we're not designed to do that. And our devices make us feel we can, but in fact, it makes it worse. Totally. And this is a public apology to men because men have known for many years, I think, um, multitask. <laughs> Women, I hate to say it, we've got it wrong. None of us, females, males, kids, teens, adults, none of us are biologically designed to multitask. Multitasking, as I said before, causes our brain to release cortisol, the stress hormone. We burn through glucose, which is our brain's energy supply. When we're, because basically what we're trying to do is get our brain to change gears. You know, we're going from the tab on this browser to another tab, or we're going from emails to a, a group chat to our kid needing snacks 75 for the day. And so that constant context switching is really exhausting for our brain and we just aren't designed to do it. And the online world has duped us into thinking that we can and we should. Okay, that's it. Tools down. No more multitasking <laughs> for me. Um <laughs> I mentioned that you have three children yourself and you're uh, obviously launching this fabulous new book. I've never known you to be uh, quiet, um, restful, having nothing on your plate. So I know you're a busy woman with a busy family. What techniques have worked best for you in terms of managing your own tech habits? Yeah, the, the one I mentioned before, managing notifications is a really key one. So I've turned off all non-essential notifications. I do not get email notifications. I don't get social media notifications. The other part that I mentioned, bundling my notifications, so choosing the times of the day where I want them. The third part of managing notifications, I think, is to create VIP lists. So when I put my phone on focus mode, I know the world's not going to end because my husband, my kids' childcare centre, my other children's school, um, they're on the VIP list. So when I switch mm. to do not disturb or focus mode because I want to be present with my husband, when I want to take the kids out and don't want to be digitally bombarded, I can turn focus mode on or do not disturb mode depending on your phone. And I have that peace of mind knowing that I can be present where I am, but also knowing that if something is urgent or critical, they still will be able to get through. Really other simple things like when I want to get some focused work done or when I want to be present with my kids, putting your phone somewhere where you cannot see it. Some research was done that found that even if we put our phone on silent and face down, if it is still in our line of sight, it significantly impacts our mental performance. The researchers wow. suggested it makes us about 10%. It has a 10% um, impairment on our cognitive performance. Another way of saying that is our phones make us about 10% dumber. They literally are a brain drain. Like they really are. Uh, you know, studies have, have shown that even the presence of a phone on the table while we're having a meal totally mm. changes the type of conversation. We have much more of a superficial conversation. Um, so, you know, coming up with some 
guardrails, you know, switching devices off at set times. In families, I recommend having a landing zone, you know, having a designated spot in the house where digital devices go at set time. So, you know, I think it is hard. I'm not going to deny this isn't necessarily something that's really easy to do, but there are things within our locus of control that we can do to start to develop healthier digital habits. Well, Christy, certainly this book is going to help a lot of people. So thank you for your time and thanks for writing the book. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope hope it gives people some um, assurance. You're not the only one grappling with this. This really is a beast that we're all mm. struggling to, to tame, but it's also not going anywhere. So if we don't take back control, the technology will control us. And that's not what I want for any of us. That's Dr. Christy Goodwin, digital wellbeing expert and author of Dear Digital, we need to talk. If you'd like to find the book, make sure you check out the notes in this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app. And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.